Welcome to our continuing study of the book of Galatians. Today we begin with the promise and the law, and that section begins in chapter 3, verse 15. Let me read it. Galatians 3, verse 15. To give a human example, brethren, no one annuls even a man's will or adds to it once it has been ratified. Now the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say, and to offsprings, referring to many, but referring to one, and to your offspring, which is Christ. This is what I mean. The law which came 430 years afterward does not annul a covenant previously ratified by God so as to make the promise void. For if the inheritance is by the law, it is no longer by promise. But God gave it to Abraham by a promise. Why then the law? It was added because of transgressions till the offspring should come to whom the promise had been made, and it was ordained by angels through an intermediary. Now an intermediary implies more than one, but God is one. Is the law then against the promises of God? Certainly not. For if a law had been given which could make alive, then righteousness would indeed be by the law. But the scripture consigned all things to sin that what was promised to faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. Well, first of all, we have to deal with the promise not being voided or annulled. Now, as we begin our analysis of these passages, I want to call your attention to the word will in verse 15 and covenant in verse 17. It is the same word in the Greek text, but the translators have given it different translations. And it's the Greek word diatheke. This word refers to an agreement made by one or more persons. It is a binding agreement. When used of one person, diatheke is best translated will or testament. But when it is used in connection with an agreement involving two parties, even though only one may be obligated, it is translated covenant. Now look again at verse 15 here in Galatians chapter 3. The verse says, To give a human example, brethren, no one annuls even a man's will or adds to it once it has been ratified. Paul in this section is arguing that the covenant which God made with Abraham in Genesis 15 is still in force. That covenant while made with Abraham, required nothing of Abraham. The obligation to perform the terms of the covenant was upon God only. This makes it what? An unconditional covenant, which means the person with whom God made it has no obligations. Now, in contrast, there is in the Old Testament what we call the conditional covenant, obligating both parties to perform. An example is found in Exodus chapter 19, verses 5 and 6. Listen to it. Now then, 
If you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be my own possession among all the peoples, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. That's the covenant of law made at Mount Sinai with the children of Israel. He didn't make that law with you or with any Gentiles. He made it with the Jews. And we ought to know how to interpret that. Find out who is speaking and to whom he is speaking when you read the Bible. Don't take something that was written to someone else and apply it to yourself. That's cheating. That's like reading someone else's mail and trying to get in on the blessings promised in a letter. Now notice the if here in this passage. If you do what I say, if you obey my voice, in the Old Testament, blessing was promised to those who kept the law, and if they didn't, what then? The curse of the law would fall on those people. Israel was obligated to obey. This was a covenant that was conditional upon obedience. Let me ask if the fulfillment of this promise has come. You see, they were promised that if they obeyed, they would be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Is Israel today a kingdom of priests and a holy nation? Not at all. They failed to keep their part of the agreement. Blessing was conditioned only on their obedience. Now, in regard to the covenant which God made with Abraham, we read that it included several blessings, and we need to go over these because it's all related to the Christian faith. First of all, the promise was given in Genesis chapter 12, verses 2 and 3. And here is what God said to Abraham, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. All peoples will be blessed through him? Yes, both Jews and Gentiles. Well, how are Gentile nations being blessed by Jews? Through the Christ. He is the good news of God. He came to save not only Jews, but also Gentiles. Now, there are specific promises in here. I see seven of them in this promise. He'll make him a great nation. Has he? Oh, indeed, Abraham's descendants multiplied like the stars of heaven and like the sands of the sea. There were more than a million of them in Egypt. When they came out of that land, delivered by God's hand, he opened up the sea. He caused them to survive in that wilderness journey. He blessed them with manna from heaven, water from the rock, quails sent by the wind, God took care of his people. This was his possession on the earth. They were to be a testimony here. They weren't saved. They didn't have eternal life. They didn't really believe God. But God keeps his promise. And it was an unconditional promise that he made with Abraham on what God would do for this man because Abraham believed God. And so he made him to be a great nation. He said he would bless him. And he did. He made his name great. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. The name of Abraham is great among Christians, 
among Jews, and even among Muslims. After all, Abraham is the father of those Arabs, most of whom embrace the Muslim faith. Now, it's based on a lie, but nevertheless, they're related to Abraham. They don't want to believe that Abraham offered his son Isaac as a sacrifice. They have changed the word of God and say that it was not Abraham's son Isaac who was tied up and put on that pile of wood there on Mount Moriah. They say it was Ishmael, the father of the Arabs. You see, when you begin changing the scripture because you don't want to believe what God said, you're believing a lie. Now, the promise here is that he will be a blessing. And Abraham has been a blessing because through him has come revelation about faith and righteousness. Abraham believed God and it was credited to him for righteousness. Then God promised this, I'll bless those who bless you. Has he done that? If we look back through history, we will see that those nations which blessed the Jews were in turn blessed. And another promise is that God said he would curse those who cursed those people. And if you know history, you'll know that the Assyrians cursed them, the Babylonians cursed them, and God took vengeance for his temple upon those nations. He cursed the Egyptians also because they cursed his people. And then the final seventh promise here in Genesis 12, 2 and 3 is that all people will be blessed through Abraham. And they have been blessed. Well, this is the covenant that God made with Abraham and God subsequently repeated the covenant. And Abraham responded in faith. We find that in Genesis chapter 15, verses 5 and 6. God took Abraham outside and said, Look up at the heavens and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. Abraham believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. He was justified, in other words, by faith. In the following verses in Genesis 15, part of the covenant was taking animals, cutting them up. It seemed like a strange ceremony, but you cut them in half and you made a piece over here and a piece over there with a path in between them. And in old times, when men made covenants with one another, that's what they did. For example, they would take a lamb and cut it right down the middle bloody meat over on this side and bloody meat over there and the participants in the covenant would walk between the parts of the animal. That was symbolic. It meant this. If I don't keep my part of the bargain, may what happened to this animal happen to me. So the parties of the covenant walked through them. But in the account in Genesis 15, we don't find Abraham walking through the parts of the animals. But we do find something else. In verse 17, it tells us that when the sun had gone down and it was dark, behold, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces of the animal. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham, saying, To your descendants I'll give this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates. 
the land of the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Cadmonites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Rephaim, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Girgashites, and the Jebusites. God wanted Abraham to understand that part of this covenant was the covenant to give him the land known as Palestine. Now, what was it that went through the parts of the animal? It was not Abraham. It was God represented by the smoking firepot and a flaming torch. Abraham was asleep. God put him to sleep. There was nothing that Abraham could contribute to this covenant. It was unconditional, all by God. And if God was doing it totally, that's grace. And why do you suppose Paul the Apostle here in Galatians chapter 3 is using Abraham as an example? Because salvation through Jesus Christ is all of God. It's by grace also. There is nothing that we contribute, not even one percent. It's 100% God's doing and 0% your doing. God not only sent the promised seed of Abraham to be our Savior, but he also makes a promise that whoever believes in him will have eternal life. There are scores of promises in the New Testament that whoever believes in this Christ, the Son of God, will be saved. And God is now waiting for people to believe him. And when he finds one, he will save that person and give him life eternal. If you need to know more about salvation, write to the Radio Bible Course. Until next week, this is Nick Halavota reminding you that the word gospel means good news. Our address is Radio Bible Courses, Post Office Box 14916, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, 70898. The website is rbcword.org.